corner to Stefanovic. Here he is, Williams. Patient, going to work. Got it! The answer! Three seconds, no timeouts. Harper for the win! Oh! It counts at the buzzer! Trocia Morelos. Waters, deep three for the win. He got it! Drive the basketball. And there he goes. Here he Coming goes. Drive the, the basketball. Oh. They get it back, though. They get Up it back. Seal oh. for the win. Oh, and then they win it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It went down. Oh, my God. Racing. Pull up. Three. No good. Rebound, Carolina. And the fairy tale ride for the Tar Heels continues. Coach K's legendary career has come to a close. And Brown on Manic, and here we go. Manic circling around and slipped underneath. They go to Love. Love's going to be the one to take it. Puts up the shot. It's off. The game is over. And Kansas completes the biggest championship comeback. All time. Welcome to the first episode of On the Line, a college basketball podcast. We are back for this year's college basketball season, the 2022-2023 season. It just kicked off yesterday. Uh, yesterday was the first bit of game, so we figured it it would be a good time to, to start getting the, the people going, um, especially as it relates to LSU basketball specifically, which this episode will cover. Um, I know LSU basketball is probably in the back of everyone's mind, especially after Saturday's big win against the Alabama Crimson Tide. But, um, you know, it's college basketball season, if you ask me. And that's when when November comes, that's the first thing that I think of, honestly, especially Thanksgiving. I know a lot of people think uh, football and rivalry week. I I think of the Maui Invitational and Feast Week and and everything else. Um, you know, this this year, we'll have the World Cup as well. So that'll be, that'll be pretty <laughs> That'll be pretty fun. But uh yeah, Ben, how have you been in the off season? Been good. Been trying to keep up with all these transfers. Uh this season's honestly crazier than last season, which I thought nothing was gonna be crazier than last season with all the COVID transfers, but it just seems like this is the way it's gonna be for the foreseeable future. We got guys playing on three different teams in three different years now. It's it like three major pro uh, Noah Locke. Went from Florida to Louisville to Providence. He's playing tonight for Providence against Ryder, but it's just like, man, that's crazy. We got you would never hear about Tech, that even five years ago. Texas Tech has a whole new team, like a good team. A good yeah, team last year, yeah. and they'll have a good team again. If you if you want something uh, to kind of illustrate the the transfer portal in college basketball, go to Texas Tech's transfer portal. And you'll see, I think eight guys leaving, and you'll see about ten guys coming back. Uh, I've I've never seen anything like it. And uh, something something I told you was what's really been interesting with the transfer portal is it feels that guys at small schools who are stars are transferring to big schools to I don't want to say be a role player, but but to be a, a piece. And some of some of these role players. At schools are transferring 
to small schools and trying to trying to be trying to be a star and uh yeah i I just it's i think the transfer portal in college basketball the reason it's so shocking is is it it's not the market isn't acting i think the way a lot of people thought it would um i know i know it's personally not doing what i thought it would i thought it would be a little bit more like football where it's it's a key piece here key piece there um but i mean you're, you're seeing entire teams just built off of the portal now in college ba- in college basketball even teams that recruit at a high level at high school are still building half their team yeah. in the transfer portal i mean somebody like arkansas or even alabama has half their team straight from the transfer portal and they still have top five top 10 recruiting classes it's not just these teams that struggle to get high schoolers it's pretty much everyone in the country. And yeah, you were saying that the the stars at small schools transferred to big schools to be role players. We saw a great example of that we yeah. assessed few last year for uh, Kansas coming from Drake. Great role player for Kansas, won the national championship. And uh, coming close to home with LSU, we see Eric Gaines leave as a role player looking to be a star at UAB with Jelly Walker. It's it's all over the place. It's affecting every single team, and we're just gonna have to get used to it. And I think every season we're gonna have to spend the first two weeks of the season going like, he, I know him. He he played somewhere else, and now he's playing here. Yep. Um. And and I think I think it's gonna be like that for everyone. Um. You know, we we pride ourselves on knowing college basketball, and and we do, and we've kept up with the transfers a good bit, but. I mean, I'm still I'm still looking at teams box scores and and watching teams right now, and I can't believe I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, he did transfer, huh? Like the guy you and I were talking about, and that's going to kind of segue us into today's episode is is Xavier Penson. You know, Xavier Penson goes to New Mexico State because he saw what Teddy Allen did and said, hey, I mean, Teddy Teddy Allen's bounced around a bunch of Power Five schools, starting at West Virginia, then going to Nebraska. Uh, why don't why don't I just do that and and try to get my team to the tournament just chucking up threes so uh, let's let's talk about this LSU basketball team um, and, and we're gonna go we're gonna go uh, player personnel base first just introduce the roster and then we'll get more into uh, the rotations as well as who who Mac Matt McMahon is as a coach and our initial thoughts so um, do, do you want to start with Matt McMahon actually then yeah, um, Matt McMahon was somebody that we had mentioned, I think, in length whenever the coaching search had started. Good young coach who's created a he created a powerhouse at Murray State, really, and they ran through the conference the last couple of years. Um, you know, Matt McMahon describes himself as an equal opportunity coach. Whoever earns the minutes gets him. He seems like a very player led coach. Uh, he's big into player development. He always says he's big into uh, trying to get his guys into the pros, trying to get them better and better every single season and uh, turning in the stars in their junior and senior years, even if they might not play a lot in the freshman years. Uh, he he has a distinct offensive set like every single time down the court. Like this is going to be way different than Will Wade. Matt McMahon is going to run plays on offense, and a lot of it is going to come from the point guard position. It's a very point guard centric offense to get the offense moving, to get it rolling, uh, you know, to get the ball screens going. And uh, it also results in a lot of three pointers. You know, someone, the two guys he mentioned in his presser 
at the start of practice this season where Adam Miller and Moani Wilkinson and how they're going to rely on them for three-point shooting this year. Uh, he's really, really counting on those guys to catch and shoot threes off Justice Hill's drives and stuff. And that's what they did a lot of times in Murray. They had a lot of role players, had a lot of big shots from the outside because everyone's focusing on KJ Williams and Justice Hill going to the rim. And that's what his offense really focuses on is ball movement, three-point shooting. But this is going to be a lot different from Will Wade, I think. I don't think we're going to see as much as the the full-court press defense and the traps that we saw as Will Wade. I think we're going to see more solid half-court defense and more structured offense. But... You know, Will Wade, he had he had those things going for him, but I, I just don't think this roster is even built for that. Even if we had Will Wade, I just don't think you would see the no. same style of basketball. This has to be a lot more structured to be successful, and you really have to rely on someone like KJ Williams to um, you know set screens, get rebounds, roll down the to the hoop. The other thing about Matt McMahon, he said multiple times in his pressers that I watched. Uh, throughout the preseason, he likes to find the top eight, sometimes top nine, sometimes top seven guys. He likes to find a nucleus early in the season, you know, the first three, four games, and just stick with those guys the whole year, kind of find the guys he can rely on and just ride or die with them, which uh, I, I respect out of a coach, you know, trusting your guys throughout the season, not bailing on them. But looking at this team, it's going to be hard to find a solid eight, I think just because there's so many dudes that they brought in. And uh, I don't know who you're going to leave out. Yeah, there are a lot of good guys they brought in. Um, And, you know, as as we're getting into uh, who we brought in, let's let's first remind people who's staying. I think that's kind of important. Um, You know, there was a there was a week or two there where we said, oh, my God, the whole team's going to be brand new. We're not going to have anyone back so i i do want to remind people who's who's staying um first and foremost uh a fellow st paul's alumni and everyone's favorite walk-on parker edwards is staying so let's all just take a, a big sigh of relief there that parker stayed um i mean i know that was talked about in the off season but just want to remind everyone uh parker stayed um and we do have uh Brandon Aguimo coming back. So he's another walk-on from, from U-High. Um, did he go to U-High? I'm not sure. I, th- I, I know he... you're talking about he has the little uh, yeah. shaggy hair. Yeah. He's another yes. point guard. Um, yeah. Everybody loves it in the PMAC when those guys get out there. Exactly. That's all I'll put it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good way. Good way to segue into uh, so, some some bigger contributors uh, because I'd say Mawani's kind of the the big contributor back from the team um and so he's going to come back i i you know we'll get into it later what his role is going to be but i think he's going to have a pretty pivotal role in this team he's going to be one of the leaders on this team and then we we do have one of the one of the few like I don't want to say big recruit, but I'd say Justice Williams was a was a, a solid recruit. recruit. Yeah, yeah, just like so, four star recruit. Out of from a Philly. high profile, high, yeah, high from profile Philly, high school. Went to Monteverde, uh, so I mean he's he he's pretty big time, it, and no, you I'm know sorry, with him he was he reclassified to come out a year early from high right. school. It was just supposed to be strictly redshirt last year. With all the injuries, he really got forced into playing when he really wasn't ready. He got thrown into the fire first game at Auburn. 
And I thought he did pretty well last year in his chances for, you know, what do you expect out of a 17 going with 18 year old kid, but he, he is really talented. I'm glad he came back. I think under Matt McMahon, he can be a good developmental piece. And, and the thing about him is, uh, I, I guess like what you're going to see is the difference between him and, you know, some of these other transfer guards that we have is like, Justice Williams has the length. He's six four. Probably has a six five, six six wingspan. Uh, he exudes athleticism. His his defensive potential is really off the chain co- compared to some of the guys Matt McMahon brought in, who were just solid basketball players. And I think that's going to be the pivotal difference. Is under Matt McMahon going forward, I do believe we're going to find that intersect of this guy's a good basketball player and he's a good athlete. Uh, this year. I think our team has a little bit of a, of a maj posh of guys. And the one, the one real, uh, the blue chip guy coming back for us, I'd say rather than, you know, just a solid role piece is going to be Adam Miller. And he's not really coming back because obviously we, we never got to see him play highly touted, you know, high four star out of Illinois, went to Illinois for the, for the first year and then transferred here, um, you know, after a pretty impressive summer on the team USA circuit on the U19 team transferred here. And then unfortunately tore his ACL uh, before he ever got to play a game under last year's team, huge Will Wade guy. So we thought he's definitely gone. Uh, Matt McMahon talked him into it. And if you ask me, what's the reason for him being talked into it? It's have you seen how Matt McMahon centrics his offense? And like you said, it is completely guard dependent. It is, it is guard reliant. It is guard centric. Um, every word you want to use to describe it. I, I, I say that. And the other thing is I do think his offense, you know, besides Adam Miller, just being a guard, it, it fits Adam Miller Miller well, because there's a lot of screens by guards involved in McMahon's offense to me, Adam Miller is going to thrive off of that. He's going to be able to flare off of screens. He's going to know when to cut off of them. And he's he's really going to have a, a great year on the catch and shoot. And he's going to be able to bail us out, a, a, you know, when when uh, stuff hits the fan, so to speak, right? So yeah. I think that probably the best one-on-one player you have on the team. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's... There's a, there's a couple of guys who are great one-on-one players, but I've seen them do it against different competitions. So we'll get and, to um, it, it took till late August, just a note, it took till late August for him to be cleared for full participation. But now he's going on his uh, third full month of full basketball activities. So he, he might take him a little while. It might be a little rusty at the start, but they don't really have anybody too tough to start the year. So he, he's got some time to get himself at uh, antiquated. Yeah, I, I could. I would not be surprised if in tomorrow in some of these early preseason games, he looks to be a very aggressive, and it's going to be rusty. And you're going to be like, this guy's out of control. He's taking step backs. Just, just let him get his feet under him. Like he's, he's definitely going to be nervous, and he's going to want to press this issue, which uh, I, I get. So, um, let's get into the transfers here. So, uh, it's probably easiest if we just start with three transfers from Murray State who came with them because. You and I, big Murray State fans last year, watched them a lot. Uh, let's let's start with the guy with some SEC experience, and that's Trey Hannibal. So Trey Hannibal, uh, you know, three, four-star recruit out of high school, uh, went to South Carolina because he's from South Carolina, 
uh, wasn't really getting the playing time. Decides I'm gonna I'm gonna transfer to to Murray State, and he's he's carved himself out a nice little college career. And I think this is gonna be a, a, a I don't want to say a revenge tour because I mean like what we played South Carolina once this year. Like I, to me, it's more of just proving that he can do it at this level. Like started his started his college career here. Had to bounce around, unfortunately, to Murray State um, to to really try to to get some playing time, and now he's at LSU. So, what does Trey Hannibal bring? Um, I'll, I'll start for me. He's he's not too great of a shooter. Um, he's not really a scoring guard, but what he is, he's a defensive animal. Like Trey Hannibal's the kind of guy. You just you you put him on that guard. You put him on that that wing. Honestly, uh, I know he's only six two, but but he does not back from the competition. Um, and, and yeah, he's gonna make he's gonna make that person's life a living heck. Um, and yeah, he's 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 really good defensively. He's very Pat Bev-esque. I, I should put it like that. Matt McMahon described him as a linebacker in a basketball uniform. Yeah, and that's. Uh, I think if you're thinking of recent college basketball players, two guys that come to mind that are kind of his style are Katie Johnson and Trevor Keels at Duke last year, just kind of bulkier guards, I would say. You know, six foot two, 215, that's, that's a big kid. And, uh, you know, really physical. He's a driver to the rim, not really a shooter. And uh, I would say he's a ball handler. He's kind of a physical second ball handler. That can do it off the bench. He was Murray's sixth man last year. Wouldn't be surprised at all if he's the sixth man this year for LSU. Doesn't take a lot of threes and doesn't take a lot of bad shots. Gets his nose in there. He had average 5.1 rebounds last year, 2.5 assists. Shot 52%. Most of his shots are coming at the rim. But uh, I-, I think he's going to probably settle into the sixth man role again. Matt McMahon obviously trusts him a lot. Okay, so we agree on one thing. Uh, my example was going to be Katie Johnson, and my follow-up to that was going to be: Is it going to take more? Is it going to t- is it going to be in the first game or the second game that they go at it and get a double tech? <laughs> I'll be the first. It probably will be the first. I agree. Um, so, but but the part we do disagree on is is I actually think Trey Hannibal's going to start. I think I think early on. I, I could see McMahon having having confidence in him specifically and and giving him the opportunity to, to start early on, um, but I, I do think him settling into that six man spot is probably going to be the best for him because he'll come in fresh, ready to completely maul the, maul the uh, ball handler. So getting into the second guard transfer from Murray State, uh, someone that I loved, Justice Hill, and no, that's not the Justice Hill running back from Oklahoma State. That's Justice Hill, the the six foot guard from Murray State. And first and foremost, this guy can get downhill on anyone. Like he just gets downhill. And I, I felt he finished pretty well when he played elite competition. Obviously, when he played the OVC, I mean, he was looking like a certain point guard that I'm not going to name right now in the NBA because he's just confused. Um, and yeah, I mean, Justice Hill's a damn good player and, and he can shoot a little bit from the outside. Um, defensively, sometimes a little bit to be desired. Uh, he's he's uh, a smaller guy. 
Yeah, I'd I'd put it like this. Uh, defensively, expect a little bit of Tremont Waters, but I I wouldn't count on like the, him like leading the SEC in steals per se. Yeah, Justice Hill only six foot one seventy five. This is his senior season from Little Rock, first team OVC last year. Could have won Player of the Year if his teammate KJ Williams did not. 13.4 points per game, five assists, 2.6 assist to turnover ratio, which I really liked. And yeah, he shot 35% on three, so he can shoot it a little bit. Average five attempts a game. And, and what you said, he just plays with a high, high level of speed and change of pace. A little De'Aaron Fox and him, a little jaw in him just with his speed and his cutting. Uh, very careful ball handler, does not turn the ball over a lot. And he's got really good bounce for six foot. That was the main thing when I watched him. I was like, he, he gets up for, for six foot yeah. flat. He doesn't look like he's six foot flat out there when he jumps. But as I said earlier, this Matt McMahon offense is really reliant on him as it was last year at Murray to get things initiated on offense, to get drives downhill and dish out, to get you know the ball to KJ on the, on the rolls and everything. So he's probably going to be – one of your most important players this year, to be honest. And and he has to stay healthy this year and he has to stay turnover free, adjusting to this, you know, the SEC where they play much, much harder defense than they do in the OVC. So I think that's probably the main thing to watch. Does he keep this high, high assist to turnover ratio? Does he keep care of the f- basketball adjusting to SEC defenses? Yeah, and let's and let's get to the OVC Player of the Year, Mr. KJ Williams. Uh, I, I I've had the first few guys, so why don't you take the floor? Six foot ten, two fifty. He's a big guy. This is his fifth year of college basketball from Cleveland, Mississippi. Gulf Coast kid. Uh, player of the Year last year, eighteen points a game, eight point four rebounds, just completely dominant down low in the OVC, fifty three percent from the field. But not only is he dominant down low, he can step outside, he can shoot the three. Uh, that's another really important part of this offense is having big guys that can space the floor for the guards. Uh, he showed that he could do that last year. He was able to hit mid-range shots and three-pointers, and that's something he's really developed over time. And uh, One of the things that I like about Matt McMahon, it seems like all these players that come out of his system just keep improving year after year after year, and K.J. Williams has improved by leaps and bounds. This guy is going to have to be – so physical and get so many rebounds this year. If this team is going to go anywhere, uh, he's just going to have to be that dude. He, he's going to have to adjust to the new league he's playing in. And I think he will. I think he has all the makings. He has tons of college basketball experience. He has the size. He has the build. Um, I love his mentality. He, he really plays hard and aggressive, but never lets, you know, his temper flare up and never gets out of control. Uh, Seems like a very cerebral player. Uh, KJ Williams is going to have to be one of the best players on his team. If you're going to compete in the SEC, he's very, very, very important. I'd, I'd go one step further, and I'd say he's probably going to be one of the best players on in like the SEC. Um, and and the reason that we're saying it about him more so than uh, an Adam Miller or even a Justice Hill is because – Unlike Will Wade's teams, we do not have a lot of size at all. Like, there's this team does not win any off the bus games. Like, even when we're playing the University of Missouri, Kansas City tomorrow, we probably won't win the off the bus game. Um, this team, it, we we just we just lack size uh, pretty significantly. But 
we have a KJ Williams and he's he's going to bang inside he's not going to he's not going to re- relent to anyone and he's a pretty elite scorer with a caveat of post, of post moves and i think that's the that's going to be what tiger fans are probably in for the most surprise this year is when we 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 throw the ball inside and KJ Williams does like an up and under and dunks it and KJ Williams does a baby hook or KJ Williams you know does a fake baby hook into an up and under uh we're going to we're going to see a completely different style of basketball out of the post and out of the post offense yeah we haven't had that in a long time we were hoping Afton could develop that over time obviously he's left the program but he he's very very polished down low. I just think his rebounding is probably be the most important thing because you're right. We're not winning any get off the bus battles, and we have some size in these freshmen. I just don't think they're ready yet. Um, and we can delve into the freshmen. The first one, whenever we're talking about big guys, is Sean Phillips, the freshman four star. Um, he was 320 pounds a year and a half ago. He's seven feet tall. He was 320 pounds his junior year of high school. I don't even want to know what that looked like in high school basketball, but he is slimmed down to a good 240 now coming into his freshman year. Very good shot blocker. Um, When McMahon talks about him, he mentions a lot about development, learning the system, a bunch of those keywords that, that make you think, I'm not sure how much he's going to play this year. I'm not sure how, I don't know if it's, he's still finding himself in his new frame or if he's just really, really raw on the offensive end, especially his shooting. But uh, whenever you hear development and learning the system, that makes me think you're not close to playing time. Yeah. uh, He's not in my rotation either. I've, I've nine guys and he did not make the cut kind of for the same reasons you said, um, He's just he's just very raw, but no, I mean he's he, he's he's a big boy, so I he's, a, I, I, he's very large. I, I have a lot of hope for the future and, and what he can become. I don't I don't know how much in on in the twenty twenty two twenty twenty three season uh, he's going to contribute, and if he is contributing, well, that, that means yeah, well, I was going to say that that means it's more than likely we're in trouble or. Oh my God, Sean Sean Phillips like is is one of, he's one of the best freshmen in the country because <laughs> I I don't I just don't see it right now and and again I, I think he's got a lot of potential so I, I don't I do want too. I don't I don't want this to come across as like Ben and I are like oh no he's like what a wait no he's he's a four star he's a four star prospect for a reason um, so yeah the other freshman big guy is number two Cornelius Williams the six foot nine to ten. Post player at Meridian, Mississippi. Unfortunate, he has been out with a shoulder injury through most of the preseason, and it looks like that's going to spill over to the early season. So I'm not sure how much we're even going to see him on the court. Um, McMahon was more positive about him, about you know him not saying as much. He needs to develop and learn the system. But man, uh, whenever you miss almost all the preseason practices as a freshman, you just you're not going to be able to play a lot, I don't think, especially with the experienced players on this team. So another guy I don't think we're going to see as much of this year, but in the future. Yeah, but let's let's get to the two freshmen that um, that they're in my rotation, and I do think there's a good chance you can see them. Um, so 
th- these two are also four stars, uh, but but they're a little bit higher higher up on the four star ratings. And it's Jalen Reed out of out of Southern California, and he was seventy uh, one overall, seventy uh, first overall according to uh, according to two four seven. And then you have Tyrell Ward who was thirty sixth overall. Uh, so I'll start with Jalen Reed. Um, he's, he's definitely a slimmer build at, at 6'10", 220. The things that impressed me are his versatility. He, he can handle the ball for a big guy, uh, with both hands, you know, a lot of, a lot of block, block shot on one end outlet, get the ball back in the middle of the floor and, and actually finish with some fluidity around the rim. I do think he's going to tr- struggle with the physicality of SEC play. You and I were talking about this pre-show. Um, that that could be a struggle, but long term, I think he's going to be a phenomenal basketball player in college. I re- I really really do. I think he's going to be a great college basketball player, um, and I do think he's going to find himself having a role this year. At, at times he might frustrate you. And then at times he's going to have a sick alley-oop that makes it on sports center. And you're like, Oh my God, this kid's so good. Like he's going to be, he's, he's going to be a freak in two years. Yeah. Whenever McMahon talked about him, he mentioned highly, highly skilled player for six ten, can handle the ball, can shoot it from outside, can pass the ball off the dribble. He mentioned how great he of a playmaker he was and how good he could face up and score. And you know, the one thing that made me really encouraged for Jalen Reed is McMahon said he had a really great offseason in the weight room. And so that makes me feel a lot better at his uh, size about him getting stronger during this offseason and getting ready for SEC play. High, high IQ player, McMahon said. He can create off the dribble. Not necessarily an elite jump shooter, but good for six foot ten. And the one thing he raved about was this kid's side-to-side speed. You know, he's not fast straight down the court, but his side-to-side speed is very, very good. He's uh, very agile. I think he's going to be able to stay in front of wings and and those sort of things. I think he's going to struggle with post players, but hopefully they don't put him in those kind of positions. But I think he's pretty switchable at this point in his career, I, I think he can switch on, on wings and maybe guards a little bit, just as his length and how he moves side to side. Uh, you know, we've seen big guys in the past be able to do that. As long as you say out of foul trouble, he, he's just your modern day stretch four. I mean, this is how basketball goes. He, he's your modern day stretch four. you have to shoot the three when you're playing the four, you have to be able to handle the ball a little bit. You know, you have to be able to make your free throws. And I think he's going to do all those things. But this year, he's going to be more of an outside scorer than an inside scorer, which which is okay because you have KJ who's probably going to be occupying more of the inside. And we talked about Magnet Man who likes to clear it out for the guards and uh, passing around the three-point line. I think he's going to fit perfectly into this system at his uh, size and his ability to shoot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but let's well, let's get to kind of the one recruit that, when when we got him, I I was I mean I was de- he definitely he made he made my head turn I'll, I'll put I'll put it like that uh, and looking at the recruiting timeline I think what happened with this kid was he was committed to Xavier in since 2021 so wrapped up his wrapped up his recruiting process and then Xavier fires their coach Travis, Travis Steele. Steel. And then bring in the ultimate back man, 
<laughs> Sean Miller. Uh, so he, he decommitted from Xavier and then, you know, I mean, it was, it was really late in the process and, and LSU was, was there for the taken, uh, you know, big time SEC school. And I, I think this kid's going to play a role. Uh, he's very good. And that's Tyrell Ward out of DeMatha Catholic. Um, you want to talk about a, a, a high end, um, athletic high school, uh, DeMatha Catholic is, is definitely that. So, He's he's six seven, one eighty five, guard wing can can handle the ball, can shoot it, can get to the hole. He's he, he's very impressive. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts to playing in college and adjusts to playing like a role as opposed to, you know, do whatever the hell you want because you're better than everyone. Um, but yeah, he's. He's he's a high end talent. 30, 36th overall in the two four seven composite. Uh, McMahon mentioned about him his great work ethic and his multi positional defense defending with his high athleticism and length. And he also mentioned how good of a spot up shooter he was. I think those two things are going to be what get him on the floor this year. His ability to defend with length and to guard guards and wings and be able to switch. Then his ability to spot up shoot off of. Uh, guys like Justice Hill getting down Hill in addition to him in the wings and in the corners. I just think he's going to be able to do that day one. Uh, I'm not sure of his ability to, you know, bang inside, get to the rim, get to the free throw line, those sort of things. But I think just his ability to defend on the perimeter and spot up shoot are going to get him on the floor. I think those are things, those are things he's proven he can do throughout his high school career. And that's obviously why he's such a high rated recruit. You're, you're not going to be this high rated recruit at six foot seven. If you're not an elite shooter, I think at this point. So I agree. I, I think he's going to have a immediate, immediate um, impact on this rotation. I, I don't see how he doesn't play. Yeah. He kind of, he kind of has to play, honestly. They need his <laughs> shooting. Yeah. We, we need, we need shooting and we need wing depth. Um, and, and 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 real quick before we do get into uh what we think the rotation is three three other transfers that we did fail to mention um Kendall Coleman uh he was I think he was the first transfer coming coming over uh six eight two twenty power forward from from Northwestern in uh, Louisiana he's he's gonna serve as as probably some interior depth if uh, KJ Williams gets in foul trouble I, I don't I don't see him playing too much of a role you're going to see him you're probably going to see him in a 10-man rotation in these non-con games but when we get into conference play i'd be i'd be shocked if he plays um someone who will have a little bit more of an impact and that's cam hayes the guard from north carolina state um i mean brings brings in again energy defense those are kind of the things that we're going to need off the bench and i think cam hayes does a great job of that and lastly, Derek Fontaine, who r- really did not play at all uh, last year for Mississippi State, so uh, I-, I don't I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have. Clearly, good enough to go to an SEC school originally, um, but I do think a he's, great frame, he's six foot ten, two twenty five. Yeah. yeah, he's 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 impressive in terms of length wise. Uh, he's definitely going to be someone you stack at the front of the bus when we're getting off. I actually disagree with you, Casey. I think exactly the opposite on Hayes and Coleman. I, I don't see a way where Kendall Coleman doesn't play on this team with their lack of size and rebounding. 
Uh, what made me really turn my head on that was when McMahon mentioned him recently. He said three things. He said strong physical rebounder, a high motor, and the best rebounder on the team. And that yeah. just makes right. me think he's the guy off the bench. He relieves KJ whenever he's not on the floor. Maybe they even play together sometimes when they need, you know, interior defense when when another team has two big guys. But I just think he's I know it's the Southland. He was all Southland. He was 15.5 points per game, 10.1 rebounds, 55% from the field goal, struggle from the free throw line, only 58%, also a block and a half a game. Uh, the one thing I really liked when I delved into his stats, played 28 minutes a game, only averaged 2.1 fouls. For a big guy, that, that's pretty impressive with the amount of blocks he's putting up a game, no matter what league you're playing in to stay out of foul trouble like that. I just think he's going to be your big off the bench. I think he's going to come off with some energy and some toughness, you know, not afraid to punish people at the hoop, you know, make him go to the free throw line, block some shots, get some big rebounds. I just, I don't know who else on the team is going to step up. I don't think it's going to be Sean Phillips. I think you're going to have to play him as some uh, depth down low. Cam Hayes, unless, unless, inclined to say he's going to play really? as much there's a lot of guard depth on this team casey i mean if you if you consider tyrell ward a guard there's kind of a lot of guard depth on this team with hill and wilkinson and miller and ward and hannibal and williams and hayes it feels like one of those guys can be the odd man out um Derek fontaine is the complete wild card i have no idea what to think i, I don't i have no clue he could be the bench wing he could not play a minute all season. I have no clue what to think of him. It's hard for me to think he came here without some guarantee of playtime. He's a junior this year, so he's only going to have one season left after this to play college basketball. I have no idea with no idea with Fontaine. He's a complete wild card. Well, yeah, he. I mean, he like he didn't play. Like 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 we we, we can go back so and. So why watch. would he go to another place to not? Exactly, play? and, and we can go confused. back and watch like what he did in high school. But that's I mean that's three years ago at this point now. Like I I can't. He's he's improved so much in practice. I I'm not I'm not saying that sarcastic. Like like if you're just in a college program for two years, you will be better than when you like were were done playing high school basketball. So I, I do think he's gonna have an opportunity to, to get some playing time. Um, and, and I I guess the reason I say that about Kendall Coleman, like I think he's gonna play like 10, 15 minutes a game. But KJ Williams last year played 30 minutes a game. Like yeah. I think, uh, yeah, that's I don't, what I'm saying. I, don't I think he picks it. up the other 10, 15. If they're getting killed down low, maybe they play together. But I think he's going to be the guy coming straight in when KJ comes off. That's fair. That's, that's, that, that's fair. That's fair. He's going to be a, a better Sharif O'Neal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you want to get into your rotation? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, so I'm going to say my prediction is we're going to start Trey Hannibal at the, at, at the 2 3, whatever the. You know, whatever. Uh, our main point guard is going to be Justice Hill, and then Adam Miller is going to start at the other wing, and then Mawani is going to basically just sit in the corner as our four, and KJ Williams will be our five, and then first one off the bench, I think I think will be Tyrell Ward and Jalen Reed and Justice Williams. Like I think those will be the first few off the bench, and then I have um, uh, Cam Hayes kind of you know cam hayes and uh kendall coleman kind of kind of as as more reinforcement depth i went with a little more size in the starting lineup i think Jalen reed 
could honestly carve out a pretty good role in this team alongside. Do you think Jalen Red starts? I, I think he could start. Um, I just think Reed and Williams' talents complement each other a lot. Uh, um, they need his length, I think. And uh, the way he talks about him is it being able to defend right now with his length and his side-to-side speed. I, I think he may start. I, I, I don't know if you can get away with Hill, Wilkinson, Miller, and another guard, Hannibal or Ward, whatever, in, in the SEC. I, I think you're going to have to have more size on the floor than that. Um, KJ Williams is is six foot ten, but he's not necessarily a shot blocker either. I, I think you need some length at the rim, and so I, I went with Reed. Uh, I went with Reed. I just think they're gonna have another taller guy down low to try to ward people off of the rim and get some rebounds. And then uh, sixth man, I think it's gonna be Trey Hannibal. I just think he's so comfortable with that role from last year. McMahon loved him in that role. He he's your bulldog off the bench. He's your sixth man. He comes in, you know the starting point guard for the other teams played seven straight minutes. And then he has to deal with this kid when he comes in or he's hounding the backup point guards, things like that. And he also is your, you know, secondary ball handler when Hill has to come out. And then I had uh Tyrell Ward is the backup wing. And then I had Kendall Coleman. I, I think he's going to be pretty important off the bench this year. And uh, I don't think it goes past. It may stay at those eight, but if it goes to nine, I have Cam Hayes or Justice Williams. I, I don't think there's enough playing time for both of them, to be honest. I think either one of them is going to carve out this role or it's going to be none of them, and he's going to stick with those eight. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I, they're too similar, too, with Hayes and Williams. I, yeah, I don't, but, I'm not but sure they're both going to play. One of them has to. We need, we need some length in the backcourt. Like, like that's, well, that's – with, with the exception Hill, of Hannibal. Wilkinson, Miller, Ward, and Hannibal. I don't. I don't want. I don't want Milwaukee in the perimeter. I think Adam Miller is going to handle the ball fairly frequently for this team. I, I, think, I think. I think he's we're going to do a lot handler. of. Yeah, I think he. I think he is. I just. I just. We're going to run the offense through him off ball a little bit more. I think. I think Miller, Hannibal, and Hill are going to be enough ball handlers. I, I don't. I don't see Williams or Hayes. I, I don't know. I only see a role for one of them. That's fair. If any. That's fair. But uh, quick, quick non-con preview, Ben. Uh, obviously, open opening the season tomorrow against University of Missouri, Kansas City. Our the line t- is twenty-two and a half. Yeah, are depending on if you're listening to this now uh, today. Um, early, early predictions on that, Ben. You think we cover? I will go with. <laughs> I'll go with yes. Just because Kansas City played Monday night, um, maybe we're more fresh. They also lost to Lincoln, Missouri, which I'm not even sure is a D1 school. And so that's that's not promising. So I'll go with yes. I think think we have a lot of offensive talent, to be honest, to be able to overwhelm these bad teams. And we play a lot of them this year. I mean, you keep it going down. Arkansas State, New Orleans is sneaky. They have good coach. Uh, they play a they play a high flying, high pace style. Uh, they played Butler the other night, got beat by forty. But you know, you just have to keep your eye on them a little bit. Uh, the two I'm kind of looking forward to in the non-con. Wofford. Yeah, Wofford, Illinois State. I think has lost too much talent. They lost their best player, transfer portal, kind of one of these small teams is got picked off their best player. I would say Wofford 
And then Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a fair amount of talent who came back from last year's team. So uh, even though they lost they lost the Rivia and uh, Williams, I think they still have a fair amount of talent. But the rest of these games are going to be walkovers, man. I, I think Winthrop lost too much. I guess East Tennessee, they have good coaching. They play good defense. But I don't expect a lot of these games to be single digits, honestly. No, I'd be pretty disappointed if uh, any of them are single digits with the exception of maybe Wake Forest. Um, but, yeah, uh, we should head into the conference season undefeated. I agree. Knock on wood. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's probably a lot of uh, Oklahoma basketball podcasts who said that too or um, – you know, is Providence still Florida losing? State. Yeah, Florida State <laughs> basketball podcast. Yeah, so you can't. That. You have to come out and play yeah. every single one of these games. I mean, I, I don't think we're playing any non D one schools. No, so we're not. Those Which teams is... you can kind of roll the ball out, but it, all these other teams, man, they have college basketball players. It's like playing the NFL, or whatever. All these, all these guys play. Yep. And so you cannot, you cannot sleep on any of them. You have to come out, stomp on them early. The other thing I'll say is is we do play Illinois State in that Cayman Islands Classic, but that is a tournament. And uh, I'm not sure who will play, but these other teams are Rhode Island, Nevada, Tulane, Kansas State, Western Kentucky. All those teams can play basketball. I mean, all those teams would be our best non-con matchup, probably, other than maybe Wake Forest. So Tulane returns all five starters this year. Very dangerous team. Kansas State kind of got picked off the talent, but they're still – Big 12 team. I expect them to be the middle of Big 12 again. Western Kentucky always has talent. So watch out for that. The Cayman's Islands Classic. That starts November 21st. So they'll play two games, I believe. They play on the 21st and then they'll play on the 23rd. So yeah. It's going to be a fun college basketball season, man. I'm excited. Ready for tomorrow night. I'll be in the PMAC, so I'll be ready. Good, good. We, we're we're going to need that instant reaction on the, on the uh, Twitter. All right. Take care. See you.